It's now time for the breakfast show with your hosts Lyle and Mon. Good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. You are not listening to Lyle and Mon. <laughs> Sounds like Lyle and Mon. Do you reckon I fooled them with that one there? Do you reckon I got them? Do you reckon they're like they were lying? They're really on air. Nah, you, <laughs> nah, nah. We have we have an intelligent audience here on Faith FM. That is true, and we're not trying to trick you. We did just want to let you know that although the show has ended, we have a best of reel happening now. Uh, so stick around, and enjoy that, Lyle. I hope they got some good stuff from you out of the archives, some of your besties. Do you reckon they did a good job? I hope so. Yeah, me too. My, my wife, producer Shell, is doing it, so it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Let's hope she puts you in a good light. <laughs> yeah, actually, it might be dangerous. Now that you mention that. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> oh, no. What is going to happen? But, dear listeners, do enjoy this. It is a best of real. Uh, the show has ended. Uh, we've got a little bit of leftovers here for you um, before something new hits the airwaves. So, do enjoy. Quick update, everybody. Just letting you know that there is a possibility that we might be back on air. The new governing board and new chairman will be meeting on the 29th of October. Keep us in your prayers. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth but rejoices with the truth love bears all things believes all things hopes all
never, 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 never Everybody, this is Shell, and I've got Mackenzie with me. Hello. Yeah, we're just um, doing a quick little intro, live intro for you to let you know that we are here. So the phones are available if people want to call us. Um, but we were going to st- start up today for a couple of days with some live shows with um, Lawson, and Mackenzie was going to be his co anchor for the day, but um, Lawson is incredibly sick. Um, we. We'll just give you some best ofs. Um, I just wanted to give you a little bit of an intro to that last song that we had as well, which was from the corner room. Um, that was movement two of a three part suite that they've put together for first Corinthians 13. And yeah, it's an, a nice one to start us off for the day. Um, right now we're going to have just a, a little, uh, best of from last year's this day in history. Enjoy. Guess what happened on this day in history? Oh, what? Well, think of the date. Uh, today is October 22. Um, oh, thinking, is it your son's thinking, birthday? No. Um, that's, the, that's the beginning of the month. Uh, uh, 22nd of October. Uh, she's thinking, she's thinking, um, blank. she's thinking. Blank. Go back to the 18th. Oh, goodness sake. What? Uh, <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> oh yes, just let me get that useless information from where I keep it in my brain, <laughs> where I remember everything that happened okay, on any go day. Go back to the eighteen forties, yeah, October twenty two, twenty second of October. I probably know the event, just not the date attached to it. Eighteen forty four. Oh, eighteen forty four. Oh, I'm such a drunk though. <laughs> it's Monday morning. That's my okay. excuse. No, no. There's a whole bunch of people out there that are like, "What on <laughs> earth are Mon and Lyle talking about?" Okay, so this is a bit of an Adventist inside um, yeah. inside story. Uh, but there, it was actually a major movement. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a, uh, a, a, a Seventh Day Adventist movement. It predated the Adventist Church be- that um, by a number of years, because mm. of course we came to existence in 1863. But um, it it was certainly an event that. Um, led to the, in, in many ways, the formation of the Adventist Church. It was what was called the Great Second Advent Awakening, and so the Great Second Advent Awakening was one of the most one of the most global uh, revivals that our world has ever seen. So you've had some big ones like the Great Reformation of the 16th century, which was restricted to Europe. Mm-hmm. You've got the uh, you know the, the latter English Reformation of the Whitfields and the Wesleys, which um, you know was which which gave birth to the modern missionary movement. 
Um, and then you had the great second advent of awakening. Awakening. So those are pretty much your three big ones in in more recent uh, times, if you consider the 1600s, the 1500s, recent times. times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so those were those those are your three big ones. The great second advent of awakening was the most global of all of them. So this was something that oh, took place really? on every continent. Uh, pretty much every part of the planet. And what was unique about it was that it didn't start with an individual and spread. It actually sprung up simultaneously around the world. So you had this period between, you know, from the, from the beginning of the missionary movement, which was really the early 1800s onwards, where you had this, uh, this movement that began that was focused on the second coming of Jesus. And as a result of that, many people were studying the prophecies that related to that. Of course, the prophecies of Daniel are central to the subject of the second coming of Jesus. And there were many people who studied in particular the time prophecies because, you know, when it comes to the second coming, the thing that everybody wants to know is when is Jesus coming coming. back? Mm -hmm. And uh, so they wanted to calculate that date. And so they found the longest time prophecy in the Bible was in Daniel 8.14, where it says, under 2,300 days, and then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And so there were those who assumed that the sanctuary was planet Earth. Yeah. That's a pretty big assumption, but that's what they assumed. That was kind of the general thinking at the time. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, um, if you look at the sanctuary in the Bible, the sanctuary in the Bible had an altar of sacrifice where the lamb was sacrificed, and of course Jesus was sacrificed on the earth, and so therefore the earth must be the sanctuary. And the cleansing of the sanctuary must be the cleansing of the earth when Jesus comes back, uh, cleansing by fire. And so you can sort of see how they came to the conclusion, like, okay, we now know, uh, we now have a time prophecy when Jesus is coming back. It was relatively easy to calculate that time prophecy. Um, and you don't really have any options as to, you know, alternative options as to when the date falls. They found the date fell on October 22, 1844. And so they said, oh, Jesus is coming back in 18, you know, October 22, 1844. And that's how they went wrong. The part that they missed was that there is a sanctuary in heaven. That's right. And it's the sanctuary in heaven where all kinds of exciting things take place. And the preparation for the sanct- for the second coming of Jesus in heaven, of course, is the judgment. Uh, because you, know, you can't come back and hand out rewards until you've made a, a decision as to who's saved and who's lost. That you mm-hmm. know, judgment comes before rewards, not after. And so, uh, and of course, the cleansing of the sanctuary was a service that took place in the one on earth to symbolise the judgment. It was all about the judgment. It's the only day. It's the only. It's the only Jewish festival where they fast and pray. The rest of them, they have lots of food and um, eat well. But and- this one, they take very seriously. Yom Kippur, it's called. And it ended up being quite the event this uh, this eighteen. Oh, it did, yeah. it did. There was a lot yeah. of people um, were uh, hanging around waiting for Jesus to come back, mm-hmm. and a lot of people who were terribly disappointed. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's it's known in history as the great disappointment. Um, people around the world who were disappointed when Jesus didn't turn up. All because of a misunderstanding, which is sad because you can imagine, you know, if, if, all these people expecting Jesus to turn up who were just suddenly like selling off, you know, all their possessions, giving away their land and stuff. And, you know, because I thought they wouldn't need it anymore. Yeah. It was a little bit like the, uh, the first great disappointment, which of course took place in AD 31. And that was when Jesus died. Uh, because, you know, previous to that, you had thousands of people who were welcoming Jesus, you know, as, uh, when he rode into Jerusalem on the, um, on 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 the on the donkey, and proclaiming him, you know, Hosanna to the Son of David, and you know, probably even 
maybe, I don't know, a million people that were welcoming him, and they were all looking to Jesus to see Jesus as, you know, the Messiah who would set up a kingdom on earth and, you know, establish a Jewish empire that ruled over the whole planet, and they would dominate everybody else, and they were super excited about it, and a couple of days later he's crucified. And, you know, I, I think it's... Imp- and not even, not even his closest disciples knew what was going on. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that, you know, these people that were caught up, you know, in the, I guess, in the excitement of it all. But I, I really feel that if both groups of people had actually studied the scriptures a bit more closely, they wouldn't have been missed, mis, mis, you yeah. know, mistaken this thing. Because the Bible clearly says that no man knows the hour when Jesus would return. And it's, it boggles my mind. They oh, in a number of places, not it's not just yeah. in one place. It's like in six places in one in one chapter. It says yeah. that. Yeah, uh, it's my mind that they would overlook such a clear text and then go about date setting. I think one of the problems was that the excitement set in before the uh, someone actually pointed out some of those verses, and so by the you know people were certainly pointing out those verses um, and, and proclaiming this as a false movement because of what the Bible said, but they were explaining it away and. You know, putting spin on it because they wanted Jesus to come back. Mm. It, it, it just boggles my mind that they could study so hard about this prophecy and then not know other yeah, parts yeah, yeah, of the yeah. Bible. They get like, they get all the big things wrong, yeah, and then and then they come to the actual like okay, the event. You know, they get all the dates right, mm-hmm. sorry, but then they come to the biggest part of it and they get it completely wrong. Because with the first disappointment as well, wouldn't they have understood that Jesus wasn't there to set up some sort of earthly kingdom if they studied the scriptures? Exactly. Yeah. The difference between the first disappointment and the second one is this. In the first disappointment, they misunderstood the daily service of the sanctuary, which was the sacrifice of the lamb. And so they weren't looking for a, a Messiah who would, who would give his life as a sacrifice. They were looking for a Messiah who would set himself up as a king. Mm-hmm. In the second disappointment, they misunderstood the yearly service of the sanctuary, you know, involving Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement, the, the cleansing of the sanctuary. And so the first one was a disappointing. Uh, sorry, was a disappointment brought about misunderstanding the daily service. The second one, the yearly service. It's a fascinating parallel between the two. The same thing happening again. You know, history repeating itself. And it's interesting also that even today, uh, we can still get caught up in date setting. And this is another reason why it's so important for us to have a relationship, a working relationship with Christ, so that we can continue studying the Bible and continue uh, to, to not be led astray. Yes. Because day sitting is still very real. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's, or there's, there is uh, um, constantly a date being set for the return of Jesus. I have a friend who, uh, for the last year, has been giving me a new date pretty much on a weekly basis. I oh, think wow. he's pretty much given up now, though. Hey everybody, it's Shell and Mackenzie back with you just for a moment. Um, we just wanted to uh, just say happy birthday to Lawson. Whoop whoop! <laughs> we were at his party a couple of nights ago, and uh, yeah, he always jokes about the fact that he was born on the, the Great Disappointment. Yeah, that's right. Um, and um, I just found that while I was doing some editing and stuff, I came across this cute little clip that I thought I would share with you real quickly. We had the lovely Lawson filling in for us, which we love it. We love it when you come in, Lawson, because you're so enthusiastic about doing radio. Oh, I just love it. We know it's in safe hands when we get Lawson to come in and fill in. And wow, uh, that's a lot of confidence. Yeah, <laughs> just FYI. Yeah, so um, 
That was just a, a little tribute to you, Lawson, from from Mon way back when. And yeah, you are always uh, a good guy to come in and volunteer your time. And hopefully you'll be well enough for tomorrow. But I'm wondering, Mackenzie, you said that something happened at this party the other night. I'm wondering if that might have something to do with why he's not here. Yeah, well, he had a... Um a beach volleyball party the other day um, and I left a bit earlier but a video was sent through on our um, church group chat and it's a video of him attempting a front flip from onto sand and he did not do so well um, yeah <laughs> he tried this front flip and it looks like all's going well and then um, you just hear this loud thud and you realize that oh no he didn't make it all the way around and he landed right on his bum and I can't imagine that would have yeah helped his sickness or anything like that (laughs) so anyways we're really sorry Lawson that you are at home in bed on your birthday but um yeah we'll be praying for you that you get well and that we can have you in here tomorrow um it'll be nice to have some live shows again but for now we're just going to have some um best of bits coming to you all and um, just remember that the phones are open if people do want to call in still to give their support for getting back to the live show um, please call me um, and I will take down your information so thank you and this next song that you're about to hear is from Wendell Kimbra it's I Will Not Be Shaken from Psalms 62 enjoy For God alone, I wait in silence, my soul is still before the Lord. He is my rock and my salvation, my fortress strong, I'll trust in Him. I'll not be shaken, I'll not be shaken, for all my hope is in His love. From God alone comes my salvation, I'll wait and trust His steadfast love.
trust in Him to hear you cry. No other hope will never fail you. No other love will not run dry. I'll not be shaken. I'll not be shaken. For all my hope is in His love. From God alone comes my salvation. The Breakfast Show, bits you may have missed. Good morning, Lyle. Good morning, Mon. How's it going? Had a good weekend? A great weekend. It was oh, yeah? a great weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, what are you grateful for? I am grateful for my ride on mower. You're, and my tractor. No, you can't. You've already said them. Oh, my tractor. You can't. You've already said them. Um, I'm thinking of all the different toys I played with yesterday. My, my whippersnipper. Okay, fine. You haven't had that one. <laughs> Such a boy with your toys. It broke on me yesterday. <laughs> And you're still grateful for it? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Was, so basically you just cleaned up the yard yesterday, that's all you did? Yes. And you had a ripper of a weekend because you House got to play in the yard. Yeah, I got to play oh. with all my toys. Well, why don't you keep the yard a bit cleaner all year round, Lyle, and you can play with your toys a bit often, more often, and your wife would really like that too, I'm sure. <laughs> oh. You have time to play with your other toys. Yeah, whatever. Ask me what I'm grateful for, Lyle. Go what, on. What, what? I... No. Uh, you, <laughs> I can hear no, the people. Can, I, I think we need to hear that have the weather. <laughs> no, fine. I won't tell you then. So, coming up in today's news. <laughs> Go on, Lyle. Tell us what's coming up for the next minute and seven seconds. I <laughs> see you, Phil. No. So, we're going, to, we're going to be talking about North New South Wales very briefly um, and when it changed its name. We're going to be talking about uh, drugs and concerts. We're going to be talking about snake relocation. Ew, just mm. straight to the graveyard. That's where you can like relocate snakes to. Just boom, off with their head. This is straight le- in a legal mon. Oh, oh, it is. You're promoting Oops. the breaking of the law. Oops, Oops I didn't realise that. <laughs> and um, also we're going to be talking about, uh, let's see here, we'll talk about um, China mm-hmm. and social engineering. Okay. Yep, Go, on, of, of, <laughs> Go on, Lyle. All right, all right. All right, I give up. What do you think? What are you grateful for? Yesterday I had the horrific experience of going to a graduation. Turns out graduation ceremonies are the most boringest ceremonies to be like forced to go to. I was very grateful to be sitting between two women who were so hot they were fanning themselves, but they were fanning themselves in my direction, so I was like in this little wind tunnel of heaven the whole time. <laughs> That's what I'm grateful for. Hey, it's just Shell back. So I'm just about to play for you the good news segment that went along with the um, segment that you just heard. Um, you won't get to hear all of the bits that Lyle just talked about, but you'll get some of them in, in today's show. Um, so enjoy. 
Let me tell you some good news, though, Lyle. Mm -hmm. Bring it on. Okay. So, first of all, let's do a little bit of quiz, a little bit of side quiz here. Okay, so which country in Europe, right, Mm. do you reckon suffers from the worst traffic congestion in the in the Eastern Europe or Western Europe? Uh, West. Let's go Western. Let's go Western Mm. Europe. Worst traffic congestion. uh, Napoli. No. Isn't Napoli in Italy? Oh, you say which country or which city? Nation. Oh, which nation? Nation. Mm-hmm. Okay, nation, nation, nation. Yeah, yeah. Western. Western. Let me give you some clue. Mm-hmm. Surprising because of its size. Mm. On account of it being small. Mm. Liechtenstein. Oh, you are very close. Oh, really? But no smoked garlic for you. No smoked garlic. We were told not to say cigar. So <laughs> I'm telling you, you're close, but no smoked garlic. <laughs> what on earth? You know, the, you know the old saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Close, no, but no cigar. cigar. So you can't say cigar on radio. So oh. I'm not saying cigar anymore on radio. Okay. I'm you, saying no smoked garlic. Never going to say the word cigar ever again. Never, never. Cigar is, is like gone from radio. <laughs> Just abolished from the airways. <laughs> Let's count how many times Mon says cigar on radio I'm not, this I'm not being impertinent. I did, I did want to explain to the people what on earth I mean by no smoked garlic. <laughs> but yeah, you're not, you're not far. You're not far from Liechtenstein. It's actually the other tiny country that starts with L. Um, um, uh, Sounds like luxurious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luxembourg. Yeah, you got it. Luxembourg has got some of the worst traffic congestion congestion in the world. It scores the highest cars per capita rate in the EU, which is just mind blowing because the population is so small. It's like just over half a million residents. Yeah, there's like twenty five acres. Yeah, it's like itsy bitsy. Like you could you could carpet the whole thing in a day. It's very small. <laughs> it has become it's more than twenty five acres. That was an exaggeration. <laughs> but get this. Right, the, uh, innovation at its best. They're like, what are we going to do about all this traffic congestion? I know we're going to make this the first country in the world to offer fee free public transport to everybody. Okay, free commute. Like, okay, all those people who were like working on their budgets. I'm up for that. Wipe transportation off your budget. All transport is now free. How cool wow. is that? How cool is that? That's very cool. I'm very, I'm very impressed with this. I mean, so previously they have uh, had trams and buses and trains have offered like free fares to like students or, or children or senior citizens. But starting 2020, free for the entire country <coughs> and uh, and free for everyone. So they're hoping this will, of course, cut down on uh, greenhouse gas emissions um, while simultaneously freeing up drivers from you know absolutely infuriating traffic jams, which is just mind blowing. That's so it's such a small country and they're <laughs> having traffic congestion. Uh, but apparently, uh, apparently there's 180,000 commuters who are attracted to Luxembourg um, by jobs which offer substantially higher annual salaries than those in neighbouring nations. So it's not just the oh, Luxembourgians. It's people commuting, commuting in. Because it is so small and people from mm-hmm. all the surrounding countries are like, do you know what? Let's get some work there. So people from France and from Belgium, um, you know, the, the international commuters apparently doubled in the last two decades because of the attraction to come work in Luxembourg. They're all flocking uh, into Luxembourg. I think the city is just called Luxembourg as well, Luxembourg City of Luxembourg, mm-hmm. and uh, and so yes, yeah, so the whole just, country just the city. Yeah, ba- <laughs> basically. <laughs> but yeah, so good on them. Such an innovation. I would like to see some of that happen in Australia, especially up in uh, in Brisbane, where the public transport is just crazy expensive. It's, it's cheaper to walk for sure there. In the land of 
Breakfast Show, bits you may have missed. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. And we have come to that part of the show where we have a special guest who is joining us. I am super excited about our special guest today. I didn't even know that this person was in Australia. But Larry Carter, Pastor Larry Carter, is somebody that I met many, many years ago, and it was just great to uh, connect the other night. Larry, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, uh, just to give you a bit of an introduction as to who Larry is, Larry has worked with literature evangelism, and I'll get him to explain that to you in uh, a little while. But back when I was, let me figure this out, I must have been about 21 years old. Uh, I I was actually working for Larry. That's right. And uh, we had some, uh, my goodness, we had some adventures back then, didn't we? (laughs) We had a great time the other night just uh, sharing stories and reminiscing about some of those adventures. Um, And of course, these these were adventures in literature evangelism. But uh, Larry, maybe you could just uh, explain to our listeners very quickly what literature evangelism is. Well, literature evangelism is a mode of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people by going door to door with books. Uh, getting involved in finding people who have an interest in God and giving them Bible studies and then ultimately helping them to make a decision to be baptized and to give their lives to Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just, just just take us back, Larry. How did, how, did, how did you first get started with literature evangelism? Well, my course is a little bit different from most. Uh, I was a teacher, actually a religion teacher in school, a Bible teacher, and uh, we had a week of prayer and uh, my first year there, and I had 40 kids that asked to be baptized, and they were just shocked. And for the next couple of years as Praise I God. worked, yeah, amen, uh, as I worked with them, I, I really, they struggled staying faithful to God mm-hmm. because of all the distraction around them, the world around them. Of course, we know that. We all have that struggle. And I could not figure out how to keep them on track where they were always on fire and alive. 
And so for me, that's how it happened. I was studying one day and I go, whoa, what they need is the gospel, the great gospel commission, where it says, go ye and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Get them busy, get them active, get them active, doing something for Jesus. And uh, that's how I started saying, well, this would be a good ministry to go door to door. And that's how I started getting involved with it Mm. Uh, because I was a, a educational superintendent, had a lot of schools under me. And so we would start to do this for fundraisers instead of candy bars, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. And that, that, that actually became a part of the canvas, which I can probably remember word for word to this day. It is, it is seared and embedded into my mind. Well, you only said it a few thousands of yeah. times. Yeah. Instead, of, instead of candy bars and, and uh, junk food, we thought we would offer something a little bit more substantial. And uh, okay, so you started to take literature door to door, and uh, yeah. to use this as as a, as a fundraiser. How how long ago was this? I'm just trying to think because I oh. I worked for you. I was trying to figure it out. I worked for you. I think it was in 1994. Yes, I started a little bit earlier that right around the late uh, 80s and then early 90s by doing it mm-hmm. in educational process. Then we decided to run summer programs. And that the reason for that was that we wanted to give our kids who made a decision to serve God something where they actually went out and they sweat, they got doors slammed in their face, they actually had to suffer to share their their caring and love for God. And boy, what it does to them is Im- immensely different in their lives. They come back a different person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can I can absolutely <laughs> testify to that to myself, and I think this is probably one of the challenges that we have in Christianity in Western countries today. Is yeah, it's just exactly too right. easy for our young people? Right. Once they suffer for God, they don't turn easily away from Him. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, of course, I remember. I'm just yeah going back. Uh, I knew your name long before I went to America, so that would have been back in '92 or something or other. So um, yeah, yes, uh, around the. I had started doing this program around 86, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, and I'd, I'd actually done some before. But, uh, yeah, that, that's where it started. I just love young people, mm-hmm. and God just always made it clear to me. They were flying me all over America, uh, starting these programs and working with them. Now, with um, – yeah, just, just, just going back all those years there, I'm just sort of – yeah, trying to, uh, to, to, to reminisce back to that particular um, – time in my life and uh, I, I remember being here in Australia and hearing about Larry Carter running programs how many how many programs did you start with to begin with I mean when I was I think in 94 I think there was 13 of these programs across the United States and there'd be about 20 to 30 young people in each program yeah well we have to you had to start small I started with one program mm-hmm. because I had to develop leadership sure we actually have a college now that develops the leadership oh wow which makes it so from when you were there you did not have the leaders that the young people have now because they've actually been trained. They've had to take college courses in order to do it, mm-hmm. and we learned that process. So as we went, we went from you know from one program to three to seven to 13. You know, it, it built itself as it goes. But our leaders were not as strong as they are now because they have actually college credits right. for doing this now. Mm-hmm. Do, the, do the young people suffer as much as they did back then? I, no, <laughs> all the, I'm sorry, Lyle, but all the mistakes we made with you, we, <laughs> well, oh, we had a great time. I got to tell you, um, honestly, my fondest memories 
of 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 a young uh, you know my 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 uh, my twenties I should say you know being a young person my teens late teens and twenties my fondest and most cherished memories are of the two programs that I did with literature evangelism one of them was with both of them with were with one of the leaders that you trained and one of them working directly as a part of your program and of course my wife who was not my wife back then working with another one of those programs and yeah Steve uh, Juliana. Down in that's Pen- right, down in Pennsylvania. Steve Liliana, yeah, that's a uh, a name that I haven't heard for a while. Um, so, uh, but yeah, now I want you, I want you to tell me. You say that this changes kids' lives. Can you give me some examples? Well, the reason I started because I was looking for lives to be continually changed and and to be mm-hmm. for God to work in their lives, so they actually saw that happen. And that's what we were doing when we yeah. started it with you was getting people involved mm-hmm. for it. So I, I can testify to myself, you know, for, for myself, that possibly one of the greatest things, possibly the greatest part of my training and my education for ministry came out of doing literature evangelism because you learn how to meet people, you learn how to talk to people, you learn how to bring people to decision. I went from doing literature evangelism to doing public evangelism. And, uh, you know, I've been doing that for, what, 24 years now or something or other. Um, and, you know, the skills that you learn in literature evangelism are exactly the same skills that you use in public evangelism. Lyle, that's why you're good at what you're doing right now. Praise God. Because you were at doors. You, didn't, you never knew it was coming out. You had to take everything <laughs> and work from it immediately. And, that, and that's a major gift. Our young people are pastors. They are doctors and lawyers, uh, most of our young people tend to go into church work. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it, it, the ability for that, they'll say to me, they say, look, these kids are so good up front. It's because they have been exposed and had to be thinking on their feet so much as they went to doors and they talked to people and they prayed with them, mm-hmm. etc. And that's something we really stress is that this is not uh, a selling of books. This is uh, helping people to make a, a stand to go to higher ground mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that uh, they help that person that they meet for maybe a short period of time. And sometimes it's longer because they ask for Bible studies and we give them. Mm, yeah, fantastic. Praise God. Our, our college does two things. It teaches you how to run these programs to do them, but it also teaches you how to do evangelism, to do Bible studies, and then actually preach crusades. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the college. When did you start the college? Well, the college was first started about 98. Uh, the first one was back in uh, 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 Florida. And then I moved and changed and we moved to the West Coast in California. Pacific Union started uh, a school there the same. We call it Souls West. And it currently has about 50 students. Every year we graduate about 25 approximately students. And they go off and some fin- finish their degrees, uh, become pastors, become, you know, medical people, et cetera. What's nice about it is if they're going into the medical profession, so we have a lot of doctors and nurses, mm-hmm. is uh, that they're, they're, you know, when people are sick is when they want to hear the most about God. And these young people, instead of just being bright, you know, can do medical things, they now can also help that per, that patient to pray with them and to make a difference. And so that's one of the major things it does is to change their lives. It doesn't matter what profession you go into, you're ready to do evangelism, mm, absolutely. Uh, how much does how much does it cost to go to this college? Uh, it costs eight thousand dollars, eight thousand eight hundred dollars. If you pay it off in time, you lose uh, 
10% of it, so you it's only 8000 if you pay off in time. Now, they go canvassing to pay for it. So it's a school where most of the school's running around 30000 Ours runs around 8000 mm-hmm. And uh, they learn all the life skills. Out of that 8000 how much of that would they be able to pay off during the course of the uh, education through canvassing? Well, you know, some have more talent than others, but uh, most of them pay it off. And if they don't, if they don't have it paid off, the next summer when they work for the summer program, they get to pay it off. So, so it's uh, kind it of depends like, uh, on the student, of course. But anybody that is industrious and willing, they pay it off. Sure, sure. So, so, so basically, you go to this college, you work your way through, you come out at the other end, and typically, you come out the other end with little or no. Uh, debt, exactly which right. is unheard of, particularly in the United States, where you know student debt is just a massive problem. The thing of it is, they have learned such excellent people skills mm. that doesn't matter what job they're applying. They can be applying at McDonald's, and they people take them and they go right to the top of whatever they're doing because they're able to communicate well. Since the mid '80s, how many young people do you think you may have worked with? Oh my, Lance, <laughs> it, it's it's thousands. <laughs> Literally thousands, uh, you know. We, How many summer programs would there be operating in the United States on any given year? Oh, the ones that I'm just involved with are around 25 uh, a year, a summer. And that's, we'd be running uh, 300 to 400 students, mm-hmm. you know, and, and going to, we, we literally hit millions of doors, uh, leave hundreds of thousands of truth-filled literature uh, can I tell you a story? Sure, please do. This please is, do. This is hot. Tell, tell me stories. This is a hot right off the press, okay? Yep. yep. Uh, in L.A., uh, we had a, a leader stop to see his, his, his student is doing businesses. And you know what that meant. And you go from business to business. Well, they were doing business. They came into a uh, a uh, little mini mart, which was connected with a gas station. And there was a man at the counter doing business. And they waited to talk to the attendant. And all of a sudden, the guy says, did you want some cigarettes? And the guy, no. And he pulls out this little booklet called Steps to Christ. By the way, I recommend anybody listening to this channel Mm. is get that book. He holds it up and starts waving it in front of this guy. He says, let me tell you something. This book means no cigarettes, no drugs, no alcohol, (laughs) no women. And I have stopped stealing. And in being honest, it saved my life. And he turned and he walked out. (sighs) And the, and the two literature evangelists behind him, their mouths were open. They didn't even say anything. They were so shocked. And, of course, they stepped up to the attendant, and they said, you know something? We actually have that book. <laughs> Do you think that? Okay, wait, wait, wait. So this is just a random customer who says this? This just happened a I month ago. I thought this was one of your students. I'm thinking, this is a unique canvas that you have right here. But, uh, no, this was just a random customer who pulls out this book. While your yeah, guys I, are actually I, standing I, there with I, that book for sale in there, in, in ready the, to give it to the guy to show him, yeah. And of course, they said, you know, we have this book. The guy paid ten dollars for this little book that's what about five by eight, uh-huh. and, you know, it's only got about a hundred pages in it. It's life changing. Yeah, book. it's a it's a drop down book. You know what that yeah, yeah, meant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that an exciting story? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> you, got, <laughs> you couldn't even write that if you wanted to <laughs> you know, come up with something. Most incredible thing. You must hear a lot of stories like that. Oh, unbelievable. You know, I'll tell you the real proof of going out and working for God, doing the gospel commission. Mm-hmm. You know, see, it says there that we're to go out and teach people all of God's commandments, all what what he's to do. And then it says, and he will be with you even until the ends of the earth. So God is actually with you 
why you're doing that. And that's one of the reasons why young people get so turned on. The real proof of the matter is parents. We get a raft of letters. I mean, you know Bill Crick. Mm-hmm. He has a raft of letters from parents. And the parents, it's always the same. I sent one daughter to this program, and I got another one back. I sent one son to this program, and I got another one back over and over again. That's fantastic. You know, the impact that you are able to have on young people's lives by getting them involved in sharing the gospel and sharing Jesus with the community is just amazing. Um, Can I give you one story? Yeah, 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 please do. Okay, that's a beautiful story. little girl comes from a poor family, five children, different fathers, and they go trick-or-treating. And she's the oldest, so she's taking care of her brothers and sisters. And when she comes back, she goes through, the, dumps all the candy out, and she goes through it to make sure that some crazy person hasn't put something in there to hurt her brother and sisters. Well, she finds a little track, you know, a little track that says, uh, tricked, not treated, you know, and it's about what Halloween really means. Mm-hmm. And she read and she never realized what Halloween really meant, what they were serving, you know. And she goes, wow, this is something. So she got the number in the back and she called. And one of our young men from this school came and gave her Bible studies. And she, so how old is this young lady? Uh, she was probably 17 at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, just young. Uh, and, uh, you know, just no spiritual background in her life at all. Just secular. Uh, yeah, just secular. And he, he says, you know, I'm running one of these programs this summer. Would you come and work for me? She says, yeah, I'd like to. She came. She so changed her life. Completely. Wait, wait, wait. So she gets this tract. She does Bible studies with one of your students, and then she's actually selling for one of your... She's back. Well, it's donations. We don't sell. Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. We do sure. donations. Yeah. And so, yeah, she came. She was so turned around in that program that she asked to be baptized that summer. Yeah, praise God. At the end of the summer, we had a baptism before. Then she went to the college. She has now graduated from the college and is out doing Bible work. Praise God. And working every summer with students, uh-huh. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. I mean, I have story after story. Like I was just at Souls West, and there are several students there that people just met on the street, mm-hmm. talked to them, gave them Bible studies, and now they're going to a Christian college. Yeah, praise God. And, of course, this becomes a generational thing. You know, I did literature evangelism yes. under you. Um, both of my sons now do literature evangelism because I did it. One of my sons worked for one of your programs, I think it was about four years ago yeah. in uh, in Michigan, and you must be, uh, it must give you great pleasure to see, you know, the next generation coming through. Well, it, it gives me great pleasure to see you, Lyle. Oh, praise God. Because you have, it's obvious the difference from the young man I knew then till now. And to have you have a son, I guess your son's in Romania yes. running one of these programs. He praise is. God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's my reward. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Larry, do you have any idea of the number of uh, people in the community? So we talk about the impact that this has on the, on the lives of, of young people that have, uh, you know, they, they give their lives to God because, they, and they deepen their experience with God by, you know, getting out there and, and serving God. But there's obviously, you know, the flip side of this is that they are sharing Jesus. You've shared this one story of this young lady who comes to Christ because somebody gives her a tract. Um, do you have any idea in the community how many people would have come to Christ as a result of the literature programs that 
you've well, been we, running since the we, mid 1980s. Yeah, every all I can give you is current figures because see, when someone gets a book, you, you don't you've just planted the seed. Mm. Someone else has to water it, then somebody else reaps it. So we're always hearing about that. Well, I I became interested in this, but the gospel and God because of this book I had. You know, I just I stopped at one door. Lady didn't want anything. It was with one of the students, and and then we went to that Steps to Christ book that I mm-hmm. talked about, mm-hmm. and she goes, "Oh, that's my son, my f- husband's favorite book. Who was a doctor? They bought three more. So when you're constantly going through the neighborhoods, the people, the more you visit that neighborhood, the more you do in business. Contact a number of people. We're, we're baptizing baptizing right now uh, due to summer programs." Anywhere from a hundred to three hundred people. Now that's in America, mm-hmm. which is not a is a not a third world country. It's no, it's that's harder not. Yeah, it's a it's a. Believe me, I've knocked doors in America. I've knocked doors in Australia, and America is tough. You uh, know what? You know what makes America so tough is everybody's like, yeah, I got my own religion. I don't need anything. Yeah, uh, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't need anything. I'm fine. Yep. That's a one thing. We, I, I'm yep. fine. I don't need anything. But they do. People say that Australia is a secular society. I'll tell you right now, I'd rather knock doors here than there. And I get twice the response rate here than what I get in the United States. Well, let me give you an example. Uh, the other day as a, a student, we knocked on the door and no one answered. And knocked again. No one answered. Knocked again. Finally, someone came to the door and uh, said, what do you want? And they showed him the books and, you know, told him that, you know, that this would help him to know God and to live a better life, etc. And the guy says, you, you, you don't understand what just happened. I was in my room with a gun in my mouth, and I was saying, God, if you're there, do something to stop me. And you kept knocking. That's right. Larry, it's been just an incredible privilege to have you on the show today. Uh, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Lyle. Thank you for your work. Now, praise God, you're listening to Faith FM. We'll be back right after this break. What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big, iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great! I'll see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Life you knew in a 
thousand pieces on the floor And words fall short in times like these But this world drives you to your knees You think you're never gonna get back To the you they used to be Tell your heart to beat again Close your eyes and breathe it in Let the shadows fall away Step into the light of grace Yesterday is a closing door You don't live there anymore Say goodbye to where you've been And tell your heart to beat again Just let that word wash over you It's alright now Love's healing hands have pulled you through So get back up, take step one Leave the darkness, feel the sun Cause your story's far from over And your journey's just begun Tell your heart to be Into the light of grace Yesterday is a cloud 